السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام على بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأفضل الصلاة وأتم التسليم على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين وأصحابه الغر الميامين ومن تبعهم بإحسان وهدى إلى يوم الدين وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم نوينا تعلم والتعليم والتذكر والتذكير والنفع والانتفاع والإفادة والاستفادة والحث على التمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسوله والدعاء إلى الهدى والدلالة على الخير ابتغاء وجه الله ومرضاته وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي uh, In this session we're going to look at the etiquette of debate and its pitfalls uh, And this is a really beautiful section and in some ways uh, quite uh, uh, scary in the sense of just how precise uh, Imam al-Ghazali is and his ability to really get to the realities of things and to inform us about these very subtle desires of the nafs. So in this section, Imam al-Ghazali, he begins before he talks specifically and lists out several etiquettes and then the pitfalls, he talks about uh, how the first generations uh, used to the, the scholarship of the first generations and how over time uh, that these certain tendencies started to creep in such that people of knowledge and people who had what we would call book knowledge, they started to be affected by these lower desires that then led to debate and that le then led to argumentation. So he says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, اعلم أن الخلافة بعد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم تولاها الخلفاء الراشدون المهديون that the khilafa, the caliphate and leadership of the community after the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was taken over by the rightly guided khulafa, the rightly guided caliphs. And they were imams and scholars who had knowledge of Allah the Exalted. And they had deep understanding of his rulings, Jalla Jalalu. Then Imam al-Ghazali fast forwards a little bit. So then when the Khilafah, when leadership was taken over after them by those who did not rightfully uh, uh, inherit it, and that they did not have independence of knowledge of the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and of fatawa, those leaders needed to uh, be assisted by the fuqaha. Then they needed to seek out the scholars in order to ask them about rulings. And they needed to keep those fuqaha close to them and always in their company. Because they needed to ask them fatwa in all of their different rulings. This is when rulers actually 
cared about following the sacred law. But Imam al-Ghazali here is referring to this is how the relationship initially, the, the Khulafa al-Rashidin were people of such knowledge that they did not need to uh, uh, have fuqaha and people of fatwa by their side. But then it was taken over by people who are not people of Allah, not people of knowledge. So then they needed to keep the fuqaha close. وَكَانَ قَدْ بَقِيَ مِنْ عُلَمَاءَ التَّابِعِينَ مَنْ هُوَ مُسْتَمِرٌ عَلَى الطِّرَازِ الْأَوَّلِ وَمُلَازَمٌ صَفْوَ الدِّينَ And there were in the tabi'een, the time of the tabi'een, after the sahaba, there were still real scholars. That's not to say that they weren't there. And they followed the path of the earlier generation, the generation before them. And they kept to the purity of religion. وَمُوَاضَبٌ عَلَى سَمْتِ عُلَمَاءِ السَّلَفِ and they had the dignity and the composure of the ulama of the sahaba. فَكَانُوا إِذَا طُلِبُوا هَرَبُوا وَأَعْرَضُوا So then when the, the sultans, the, the leaders, the rulers called for them, they would run away. They didn't want to be of those people who have to stay close and things start to change and you develop an, a relationship that takes you away from the objectivity of the sharia and of the rulings of Allah. So they would run away from that. فَاضْطَرَّ الْخُلَفَاءُ إِلَى الْإِلْحَاحِ فِي طَلَبِهِمْ لِتَوَلِّيَةِ الْقَضَاءِ وَالْحُكُمَاتِ So then the rulers had to persistently urge and beg them to take on these responsibilities so that they could be judges and that they could help with rule, ruling and making judgments and so forth. فَرَأَى أَهْلُ تِلْكَ الْأَعْصَارِ عِزَّ الْعُلَمَاءِ so then people of that time, how do they view it? They see the dignity and the composure of the ulama and that these rulers, the people in charge, are seeking them out. No, they, they're asking, please follow and so forth. So they get affected by that. فأش, uh, so then they started to become focused on seeking knowledge. Why? Because they wanted to uh, arrive at having honor and a place with the rulers. So then they started focusing on ilm al-fatwa. Why? Because that's what the rulers need. Judgments and rulings and so forth. And then they expose themselves to the leaders. Making themselves known to them. When the scholars, the real scholars before that, they were honored because they would actually avoid the rulers and keep away from the rulers. Now they became humiliated because they sought them out. Now I want a place with you. And I, I can serve you and so forth. So even the honor that they saw in the previous scholars was lost in their pursuit of knowledge for the wrong reasons and trying to be close to rulers. Except for those that Allah gives tawfiq in every time from the scholars of religion. So then things continue to sort of, uh, uh, there's still a downward spiral after the generation of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een. Then after that, there was uh, uh, princes and sultans and so forth who then would like to listen to the opinions of ulama as it relates to theology and creed. Mm. 
So then those rulers, they would like to hear their proofs and the ways that they would come to these conclusions and so forth. So then he liked to hear debate and people talking about these different theological points and arguing their points and so forth. So after they were focused on fatwa, then people started focusing on kalam, on speculative theology and the proofs and so forth. So Imam al-Ghazali is giving us the breakdown of how debate became so widespread and that it started from a bad place to begin with and it continued to get worse. So then you see these people who started to focus on all of these differences and started focusing on the specifics of fatawa and speculative theology, not because those things are real fiqh and real ilm and real tawheed, as Imam al-Ghazali was saying about the meanings of those words, but because they use it as a means of status. We ask Allah for protection. So he said all of these, their incentives, uh, that's what drove them to look into all of these differences of opinion and so forth. So then Imam al-Ghazali just gives us the history of the state of seeking knowledge and how people were affected by that before he then gets into the etiquettes of debate and its pitfalls. Okay? Now, so then he begins. He says that for a person to even uh, uh, begin to debate, they need to have eight conditions and eight etiquettes. الأول, this is what Shaykh Yahya mentioned before, is that a person should not be involved in debating with others and getting involved in this, especially even if it's about something that is valuable and worthwhile, because that is a communal obligation and he has not yet fulfilled his, his individual obligations. He has not yet fulfilled his individual obligations. So this is like a person, Imam al-Ghazali says, this is like a person who leaves the prayer to go sew a, a, an item of clothing because someone else is bare and they can't pray while they're bare. So what are you, why did you leave the prayer? Oh, I went to make that person a thobe so they can pray. You left the prayer so that they can pray, that doesn't make sense. So focus on your individual obligations and prioritize those individual obligations. Once again, the nafs likes to get involved in these things. But you have to realize, is this what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from me? Really ask yourself that question. That's one of the adab. And if there are aspects of your own individual obligations that you have to fulfill that you don't know, focus on that. And don't get involved in debating with anyone because someone else will take care of that responsibility on your behalf and you're not even in a position to really do that uh, with any kind of real basis. So that's the first thing that Imam al-Ghazali says, prioritizing one's individual obligations. When a person is entered into the grave, the, the angels are not going to ask, did you debate that person? Did you prove that person wrong? Who is your Lord? Who is your prophet? What is your religion? That's, that's your individual obligations. You need to realize those things far before getting involved in debate. So that's the first etiquette 
that Imam al-Ghazali mentions. And then Imam al-Ghazali says, أَلَّا يَرَ فَرْضَ كِفَايَةٍ أَهَمْ مِنَ الْمُنَاظَرَةِ is that there are no other, even if he has fulfilled his individual obligations, that he has to prioritize more important communal obligations first. Are there other things that need to be done? Are there people who need to be fed? Are there institutions that need to be built? Those are things that are communal obligations as well that are of a higher priority. So why are you focusing on debate when there are better things, even at the level of communal obligations for you to be doing? So Imam al-Ghazali says, فَإِن رَأَ مَا هُوَ أَهَمُّ وَفَعَلَ غَيْرَهُ عَصَى بِفِعْلِهِ if he discovers that there is a communal obligation that's of a higher priority and he doesn't do it, then he's committed a mistake. He's wrong in doing so. And he says, he's like one who comes uh, across a people who are dying of thirst. They're just dying of, they're uh, about to die of thirst. And people are not helping them. There's no one else who's helping them. And he has the ability to save their lives and get them water. And he says, I have to go learn cupping. Because cupping is a communal obligation. Medicine and taking care of people's health. It's a communal obligation. But you can save these people. They're about to die. And you're going to go study cupping? It shows you, it's a, it's a beautiful example, but it just shows you how misprioritized that person's uh, uh, understanding that they're not able to prioritize things in the proper order and fashion. So Imam al-Ghazali says, focus on even the communal obligations that are more important. Instead of getting involved in a debate, can you actually help someone deepen their understanding, their iman, their yaqeen, their love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you remind people to focus on their prayers, to read Quran. Those are things that are clearly beneficial, that everyone needs to be reminded of. Focus on those kinds of things before getting involved in debate. And in today's world, we have to be really careful because even though we might not have kind of the old school style of, you know, meeting and, and debating uh, face to face, but now the internet invites argumentation. You know, you have to be very careful. And you might see someone say something incorrect online, you know, and now it's, you know, there's that comment box. You have so much room to share your opinion, but be careful and really think about, is there something better I can be doing with my time than getting into these back and forth arguments online? Is that really, and how effective is that? and so forth. But then the person, no, I gotta protect, I gotta defend the truth, and so forth. Yeah, but how, 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 uh, how many times has that worked? And so to think about those kinds of things and focusing on what is more important, even as it relates to communal obligations. Another of the etiquettes that Imam al-Ghazali mentions is, uh, is that a person does not discuss and debate, uh, you know, something that is purely theoretical. You know, getting into things that are not uh, at hand. You know, so, and people do this a lot, especially as it relates to aqidah. 
people will, and they'll talk about big, 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 big things. As if it's just like, let's fill the time. Like as if it's a water cooler conversation. Big, big things that the, 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 the people of Allah would, would, would faint if someone asked them those kinds of things lightly. You know, so we have to be very careful. So if you're going to talk about something, something that is at hand or very likely that it will occur. If someone's about to travel and they say, if I'm traveling and I can't find you know, a place to make wudu, what is the ruling of tayammum and things like that, that's a conversation that has a likelihood that it will occur and so forth. And Imam Malik, rahimahullah, he really didn't like people to talk about theoretical things and to ask him about theoretical things. Is it something that you face before? Is it something that you expect to face in the near future? No, I'm just, just thinking about it, just making a conversation. Well, these things are very weighty, so you can't just make a conversation about that. Uh, and, and you find that, unfortunately, uh, you know, many people, they want to fill the time. And if, you know, if, you, if you're attending a weekend retreat, you've probably experienced this. You probably have a few family members who just like to talk about the latest religious controversy. Oh, what do you think? Like my brother the other day. Oops, shouldn't have said that. But my brother the other day, he just, and we have a WhatsApp group. What do you think of so-and-so? And it's just like, uh, I won't say which one and I won't say who we asked about. What do you, th <laughs> what do you think of so-and-so? And it's just kind of like, I was like, oh, let's just change the subject. Because this is, I can't see this going, uh, uh, you know, too positively. Alhamdulillah, it didn't go too bad. Uh, before the subject changed, but that's, you know, why are we talking about those things? We have to be very careful uh, and not get into these conversations that open us up to very detrimental uh, things and, and things being said that shouldn't be said. So being careful of that. So Imam al-Ghazali here says that part of the etiquette of debating is talking about an actual or highly likely issue. Why? Because it comes back to benefit. It comes back to benefit. No. The next etiquette that he mentions is Is that a person, if they're going to mention something, give a nasiha, or have a conversation uh, about an issue that they might differ on, is that it is more beloved to you to have that conversation in private with that person. I want to talk, can I talk to you about something? I heard you say this, and I just wanted to let you know that I'm not quite sure if that's correct. This is what I've heard from the ulama and so forth, that that's more beloved to you. And, and then if a person, if someone else comes in the room and they get excited, oh, now I'm going to prove this person wrong. Huh? This, wh where'd you read that? Huh? Oh, you don't even, see, you don't even know anything. And then the person gets excited at that. That's not of the etiquette of true, truly seeking uh, uh, what is right. Now, so Imam al-Ghazali says, فَإِنَّ الْخَلْوَةَ أَجْمَعْ لِلْهَمْ Being alone, it actually keeps your concentration and your sincerity and what you're seeking, uh, uh, it, it, it keeps it intact. وَأَحْرَى بِصَفَاءِ الذِّهْنِ وَالْفِكْرِ وَدَرْكِ الْحَقِّ And it's, uh, there is... It's more suited for having clarity of thought and seeking the truth. Both parties are more likely to admit the truth when they're alone. 
you know what, actually I was wrong. But someone else comes, and then you, the nef starts to say, oh, you have to defend your, you know, your stance. You have to, this person's gonna think you don't know anything. If you admit that you're wrong, and the shaitan and the nefs start to work at that, that being alone and in private is better. And then Imam al-Ghazali says, And when you're in front of people, that makes a person, uh, it starts to incite the, the beginnings of ostentation. And everyone wants to defend themselves, that I'm upon the truth and the other person is wrong. So that's another one of, uh, uh, another one of the adab. And that seeking to be in public, and actually that's what people do, is they want it to be a public forum. He says that that's not, that's not for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you're seeking the truth. And actually, even if this person, no, we want to have it public because this person, you know, holds on to this particular stance and people need to know that he's wrong. If you speak to them in private and that person is convinced of what is more correct, what's that person going to do with complete his honor and dignity intact. He doesn't feel like he has to defend himself now and be humiliated by someone who knows more than him. He can easily come out and say, you know what, I actually found out something is more correct and I was wrong before. That's far easier than I'm gonna prove him wrong and everyone, mashallah, is gonna see the truth clear as day. It doesn't usually work that way. And what ends up happening is people who are already convinced of one position become more uh, firmly uh, they hold on more firmly to that position against the others and vice versa. It's like a boxing match. That's my guy. Well, that's my guy. And then that's how it is. And where's the truth? Where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So to be careful of that. Then Imam al-Ghazali uh, says another one of the etiquettes of debate. And yakuna. This is so beautiful. And yakuna fi talab al-haqqi kanashidi dalatin is that the person, when engaging in any conversation, is that you are like a person who is looking for their lost property. Did you see my keys? Did you see my wallet? If anyone brought it to you, even a stranger, you say, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You really helped me. I really needed this. Imam al-Ghazali says that when you're seeking the truth, when you're engaging in this conversation, that you seek the truth, the same way you seek lost property. لا يفرق بين أن تظهر الضالة على يده أو على يد من يعاونه. He doesn't mind whether the truth appears at his own hands or the hands of the person that he's in a discussion with. Now this is the truth. جزاك الله كل خير. You know what? I didn't know that. You taught me something and you guided me. You helped me, and not to be. The truth is on. You're saying the truth. No, I need to be the one who, and then the nefs gets in the way. No, that it's as if, if someone came to you and, and brought you your wallet or brought you something very valuable to you, you want to say, no, I want to be the one to find it. You would, be, you would be so appreciative. You would make dua for them for the longest time. You would want what's best for them. And to see his companion, even the words Imam al-Ghazali is using is beautiful. Not his opponent. No, his companion, his friend. Uh, and sees that person as someone who helps him, not as someone who's against him or arguing with him. And thanks him 
for show if he lets if he informs him of his own mistake and allows him to come to know the truth. Just like someone who goes down a particular way looking for his lost property and someone tells him, no, it's actually that way. If it's like a steed or something, no, I saw it going that way. Oh, thank you. I was on the wrong road. Now I'm going to find it. Person would thank him and not blame him. And would be happy and honor him. This is how the Sahaba were. Even one time Sayyidina Umar when he wanted to set a maximum for the mahar. He didn't want people to uh, ask for mahar that was a lot. So he said, you know, the, the, we're going to set a maximum on the mahar. A woman called out and said the Prophet didn't do that. So then Sayyidina Umar said, and it was in front of a, a lot of people. It wasn't alone. She said, Rasulullah didn't do that. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, he wanted to follow Rasulullah sallallahu So when someone informed him of an even better way, he said, Asabat imra'atun wa akhta'a rajul wa akhta'a Umar. This woman was right and Umar was wrong. And he was happy to admit that. Why? Because he's not there trying to defend, you know, what people think of Sayyidina Umar. He's, he wants Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's good pleasure. وَسَأَلَ رَجُلٌ عَلِيًّا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَكَرَّمَ اللَّهُ وَجْهَهُ فَأَجَابَهُ So a man asked Sayyidina Ali a question and he, he answered him. So then the man said, uh, that's not correct, O commander of the believers, but it's actually such and such. So then Sayyidina Ali said, you are correct and I was mistaken. وَفَوْقَ كُلِّ ذِي عِلْمٍ عَلِيمٍ And above every knowledgeable person, there is someone more knowledgeable. Who is this? This is the one the Prophet sallallahu said, I am the city of knowledge and Ali is its gate. And he has the humility, radiyallahu anhu He didn't say to the man, do you know what the Prophet sallallahu said about? No, no, no. That's exact, an exact indication of his fiqh. That is a proof of his knowledge, radiyallahu anhu The humility that he had. This is bab madinatul ilm, radiyallahu anhu. And even between the Sahaba with one another, that once Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu was asked about uh, someone who died in the path of Allah. So they asked him, you know, what is the state of this person? And Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, Sahabi, Jalil, a noble companion, he said, huwa fil jannah. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he said, ask him again. Maybe he didn't hear the question correctly. Look at the adab that they have with each other. Because there was an, an added element to the answer that was required. So he said, repeat the question. Uh, maybe he didn't understand it correctly. So they asked him a second time and he gave the same answer. So then Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, in If he died and he was seeking the truth, then he's in paradise. He added that condition. He added that while he's seeking the truth, is he sincere? We don't know his state with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If that was his state, then he's in paradise. So then Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ash'ari said, huwa ma qal. It is as he said. He gave a better answer. That's how the Sahaba were, radiallahu anhum arda. Look at Imam al-Shafi'i. Imamun azim. This great Imam, radiallahu anhu. He said, I never debated and had a discussion with another scholar 
except that I asked Allah that the truth be manifest on his tongue. Except that I ask Allah that the truth is manifest on the other person's tongue. He doesn't come in and say, you know, Imam Shafi'i, I got to defend myself. No, no, no. Ya Allah, I'm looking for the truth. Ya Allah, it would make me happier. Look at the humility that, that he has. The, the, the opposition to his own nafs, radiallahu anhu. Ya Allah, make the truth appear at, upon his tongue. And who is that? Imam al-Shafi'i. And that's part of the reason why he's Imam al-Shafi'i, radiallahu anhu, arda. So this is the adab. These are of the etiquettes. And Imam al-Ghazali says, look at the people who debate in your time. Do they have this etiquette? Do they treat each other in this way? And the damage that the onlookers receive is immense. And people think that it's all good. You have to just defend the truth. You got to talk about everything. But then the, the people in between who are just confused and have not made sense of this position or that position and have not actually gained beneficial knowledge that helps them with Allah, in many cases it distances them. And all this religious stuff, just arguing, arguing, oh, this person's wrong, that person's wrong, the other person's wrong. Man, I just, I can't make sense of it. Might as well not be involved. They're, they're the, the, those are the, uh, what do they call them, the collateral. That's the collateral damage. Those are the people who haven't seen real scholars, the people who have adab and akhlaq and nur and beautiful character and who treat people respectfully, people who have inherited those akhlaq like Imam al-Shafi'is saying, I pray that the truth is manifest on the other person's tongue. When they see that, it's like a breath of fresh air brings life back to the heart. But this other thing, even if you think you're defending the truth, it hurts people. It hurts people, and we haven't even gotten to the pitfalls. The pitfalls Imam al-Ghazali mentions are scary. He says, another of the adab is that you do not undermine the other person. And if they want to present another proof, you don't try to undermine their statements and make them look foolish. And not let them uh, uh, even make the argument that they're trying to make. Because that's all seeking falsehood. You're not actually seeing the truth when you do that. Another of the etiquettes that Imam al-Ghazali mentions is that you speak to someone, you have this discussion with someone uh, who you hope to benefit from, that you are seeking benefit from. That someone who is actually very uh, learned so that they can help you. If you're wrong, they can show you the wrong way. And not choosing someone who's still learning. You see that people, sometimes they'll take advantage of that. I don't like that sheikh. Let me find one of the students who's still learning under him and attack him. What about this? What about that? You do this, you do that. Uh, um, I don't know all of the proofs for all of those things. He's still in a state of taqlid. He's still following people who are guided. But he can't explain everything just yet. Ah, see, I proved them wrong. They're, not, they're upon falsehood. That's not how you, you, you seek out someone that you can benefit from. And you don't seek someone who's easily becomes your victim. billah. So then, uh, after speaking of these etiquettes, Imam al-Ghazali moves on to talking about the afat, 
these pitfalls of debate uh, and argumentation. So it says, know and be realized in that debate. المناظرة الموضوعة لقصد الغلبة والإفحام أن المناظرة الموضوعة لقصد الغلبة والإفحام وإظهار الفضل والشرف عند الناس وقصد المباهات والممارات واستمالة وجوه الناس هي منبع جميع الأخلاق المذمومة عند الله If this was the only thing Imam Al-Ghazali said in the whole chapter, it would be enough And then he explains it in such a detail that there's no more doubt you have no doubt in what he says. He says, know and realize this truth, that debate that is uh, for the sake of uh, beating others and uh, you know, overwhelming them and showing your superiority and your honor with people and being proud and arguing and making people look at you. This is the source and the fountainhead of all blameworthy traits with Allah. This is the source of all blameworthy traits. All the traits that Allah considers blameworthy. That are praiseworthy with Allah's enemy Iblis. And look at what he says here. وَنِسْبَتُهَا إِلَى الْفَوَاحِشِ And its relationship to inward uh, uh, sins نِسْبَتُ شُرْبِ الْخَمَرِ إِلَى الْفَوَاحِشَ الظَّاهِرَةِ Is the same relationship as drinking intoxicants has to outward sins. The relationship of debate and argumentation, the relationship it has with inward sins is just like drinking alcohol is to outward sins of doing other vile things. And he says, but if you ask a person, no, I would never drink alcohol, but they might get involved in debate, which is even more dangerous. Imam al-Ghazali is saying, If a person, and then Imam al-Ghazali says that actually what ends up happening, one of the tricks is that because these are the beginnings of all of these other sins, that if a person is given the choice between doing like one of the enormities of just vile things or drinking alcohol, so I'll just drink alcohol, but then drinking that alcohol leads to all those other things. So if someone says, you know, backbite and hate other Muslims, no, no, I would never do that. Okay, get, get involved in debate. Okay, debate is not that bad. It leads to all of that. That's where it's going to take you. So be careful. Naam. La ilaha illallah. So then he says that he's going to explain all of the pitfalls of, or give a, a sense of the pitfalls of debate. He says one of its pitfalls, al-hasad, envy. وَقَدْ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ الْحَسَدُ يَأْكُلُ الْحَسَنَاتِ كَمَا تَأْكُلُ النَّارُ الْحَطَبِ That envy eats away at good deeds just like fire eats away at wood. And then he says, The person who's debating, you can never remove envy from him. Why? Because sometimes he, uh, he is victorious over the one he's debating with, and sometimes it's the other way around. The other one's victorious over him. And sometimes people say, oh, that was a, you made it, you had a good proof. The way that you said that was so nice. And then other times they'll say that to the other person. What's the, how's he going to feel? 
nah, he doesn't know anything. And he starts to feel envy. I want people to praise what I said. I'm the smart one. I'm the correct one. I'm the do, 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 do. All of these things that are so dangerous. So it starts to make that person envious. It starts to make that person envious. Now, فَمَا دَامَ يَبْقَى فِي الدُّنْيَا وَاحِدٌ يُذْكَرُ بِقُوَّةِ الْعِلْمِ وَالنَّظَرِ أَوْ يُظَنُّ أَنَّهُ أَحْسَنُ مِنْهُ كَلَامًا وَأَقْوَى نَظَرًا فَلَا بُدَّ أَنْ يَحْسُدَهُ And as long as this person loves, and that's another thing, is that when people get involved in debate, it's like a, it's like a drug. It really is. No, 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 but, but, but. And so like, it's bad for you. Yeah, no, no, exactly. But, 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 but. Let's stop talking about it. I don't want to talk about people on Facebook and people in this place and that place and what they said. Don't worry about them. Focus on what you have to do. And people, it just keeps sucking them in. And Imam al-Ghazali says, and as long as a person feels that they're a debater and that they get involved in these things, as long as there's anyone on the face of the earth that they praise their knowledge and they praise their ability to debate, this person's going to feel envy towards them. So you just have to be careful. And Imam al-Ghazali, when he says these pitfalls, he doesn't say like, this is the way to avoid them. He just says, they're there. So the way to avoid them is just not to get involved. And he's going to make that even more clear as we move forward. The next one that he mentions of the pitfalls, nas, is arrogance and feeling better than other people. فَقَدْ قَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ مَنْ تَكَبَّرَ وَضَعَهُ اللَّهُ وَمَنْ تَوَاضَعَ رَفَعَهُ اللَّهُ Prophet said, whoever is arrogant, Allah debases them. And whoever is humble, Allah elevates them. The spiritual reality is different. وَقَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَسَلَمْ حِكَايَةً عَنِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى The Prophet said about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah says, الْعَظَمَةُ إِزَارِي وَالْكِبْرِيَاءُ رِدَائِي That exaltedness is my garment and uh, pride is another garment. And this is and obviously not to be taken literally. So whoever uh, whoever rivals me in those two things, exaltedness and pride, then I will debase them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in other words, with, with regard to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those are attributes that are befitting him. With regard to the servant, those are not attributes that the servant can have. And then Imam al-Ghazali says, and the person who's involved in debate cannot remove from himself being, you know, trying to make himself superior to his peers. I'm better. No, no, no. That guy doesn't know anything. <laughs> Him? You think he knows stuff? Man, I know way more than, I forgot more than he knows. That's how people are. That's, that's what they get involved in. Hmm? And that the person has to, you know, uh, raise himself above his actual worth. So that if there's a public gathering, they even want to, uh, you know, uh, work against each other and struggle against each other to have this position of superiority. Over the other. No, no, no. You sit there. I sit here. The Prophet وسلم, he said it's a sign of humility that a person, or maybe this is actually one of the salihin, uh, maybe it's not a hadith. I'm, I don't remember exactly. But one of the signs of humility 
is that when a person enters a gathering, that they do not care where they're placed, even if they deserve to be, that they don't think about that. They're happy to sit wherever. That's a sign of humility. I don't remember if that's a hadith, so forgive me for that. Naam. وَرُبَّمَا يَتَعَلَّلُ الْغَبِيُّ وَالْمَكَّارُ الْخَدَّاعُ مِنْهُمْ بِأَنَّهُ يَبْغِي صِيَانَةَ عِزِّ الْعِلْمِ But if a person asks, like, humble yourself, why are you acting like that? No, 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 it's not about me. It's about knowledge. I'm protecting knowledge. They can delude themselves into thinking that. No, no, no. I'm just, no, I'm nobody. I'm nobody. But I have to, but I have knowledge. So I have to dignify that knowledge. The knowledge is dignified. Allah will take care of the knowledge. And when you humble yourself, Allah will elevate you. But people can trick themselves into that. <laughs> so Imam al-Ghazali says, this is actually using words in meanings that do not really, uh, for meanings that do not really suit those words. <laughs> Just as we talked about people do with the words of wisdom and knowledge and so forth. This is not protecting knowledge these kinds of actions are not protect it's not protecting knowledge so you're tr you're you're saying that you want to do something that is a good thing but you're going about it the wrong way and in reality it's a person elevating his own self <coughs> imam al-ghazali says another of the pitfalls of debate is enmity is enmity, starting to hate the other person. And the Prophet said, A believer is not someone who hates other people, has enmity towards other people. And the uh, blameworthy nature of enmity is well known. But then Imam al-Ghazali says, but if a person is involved in debate and they, they have to overcome that person, then they're going to have negative feelings towards them. If the person that he's debating with says something against his own words, ah, that's ridiculous, and, and puts him down, the enmity will stay in his heart for the rest of his life. It's very hard to remove. So it's dangerous. Another is backbiting, Imam al-Ghazali says. And look at this. He says if a person is uh, uh, even trying not to undermine their opponent, he says, The most careful a person can be. Is that when talking about the other person, he says the truth. Right? So he speaks about him without a doubt and he says, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't really understand it. He's not really that intelligent. He misunderstood the, the point that we were talking about. His proofs were not good. He's not well read. And Imam al-Ghazali says, And this is backbiting. The best he can do is say the truth. And even that is backbiting. <laughs> What are you gonna do? But people really, they, get, they, they think that this is the way to rectifying the state of the ummah. You have to put that person down. 
there's so many people who follow them. And you don't realize that in attempting to do something good, which is make the truth apparent, you're creating a multitude of other harms. So you're trying to do one right thing, but you do 10 wrong things in the process. And those people who are seeking the truth, inshallah, when uh, they're presented with other proofs, then they will sincerely follow what is correct. Now, but those people, in the, okay, but if, it, if we get involved in this way, those people will very likely not be convinced. They might even be further driven into their position. Other kinds of harms will come about. And people really think, no, but this is defending the, the deen. This is the haq. This is whatever it may be. Where has it brought us to? And we saw, you know, there's many people we saw in the 90s, the early 2000s. They were all about the haq and so forth. Where are they? And, and we're, nobody's happy about that. We're not saying that like, oh, no. Where are they? It's not even sustainable in their own lives. They burn out. This whole deen is going to be about proving everyone wrong. I remember even as a kid. This group is this, that group is that, this group is this, that group is that. You know, and it was all about everyone else being wrong. Then you get to the point where you say, okay, I'm done hearing about everyone who's wrong. Who's right? What's, what's right? Show me the way that's right. Okay, everyone else is wrong. You're right. What do you got? And once again, there's not a whole lot there. And then people just deflate. Man, all of these, all this energy, all this stuff, getting so involved, and at the end, there's no result. But then the people who guide you to the truth, the people who inform you what's good, I remember, la ilaha illallah. One of the most beautiful things, yani, just to see people of istiqama, to see people of istiqama. I remember there was a particular politician who was scheduled to come visit Dar al-Mustafa. And uh, Sayyid al-Hariyama, he, 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 uh, he, he asked me, uh, it was a Libyan politician, it was the son of the former president. So he asked me, he said, tell me about the president of Libya, you're Libyan, your parents are Libyan and so forth, tell me about the president of Libya. Now for anyone who knows Libyans, we got nothing good to say about the president, the former president. And that's what that was like in the milk that we, as babies, we we were nurtured upon. Like it's all bad. So I didn't I didn't kind of get carried away, but I was like, Sayyidi, يعني هو رجل كذا كذا كذا, you know. And he said, لا أسألك عن هذا. يعني. And then he told, he said, I'm not asking you about that. And he totally shifted the conversation to a far more productive conversation. I said, La ilaha illallah. Even someone who, يعني, he, he's passed away. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him and rectify all the harm that was done. But even someone at that degree of outward oppression, he didn't want to backbite him. What's the benefit? Backbiting? Something that the people of Allah, they don't involve themselves in this filth. And other people, they're going to have their own ways of, uh, you know, justifying what they do. But I just remember, I said, subhanAllah, even that. You know, you can say like, oh, your, your neighbor, your friend, your community member, but these people, no, no, no. Ghiba, ghiba. Not going to eat 
the flesh of a dead Muslim. As, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described it in the Quran. Naam. And uh, uh, this is one of the areas that the shaitan really tries to, uh, you know, incite people. He try, and, and there's a lot of people who like that. Oh, did you see what so-and-so wrote? Did you see what they said about this? Did you see what they said about that? Oh, ish al-fa'idah. What's the benefit? There was once a sheikh who uh, uh, they were trying to kind of, you know, get some excitement, this group versus that group. So they said to the sheikh, who was the leader of a particular uh, group of people involved in da'wah, they said, sheikh, what's the difference between you and sheikh so-and-so? He said, the difference is we're on this street and he's on that street. That's the only difference. I said, no, no, but why is it that him and his people, they build a lot of masajid and we don't see you doing that? You want to say, oh, they're this and they're he said, mashallah, they build the masajid and we tell the people to go pray in the masajid so we complete each other. We need people to build the masajid. We need others to remind others to pray in it. He didn't open the door for the shaitan. Even though it's a different methodology, a different approach, a different emphasis, he didn't allow that door to be opened. Another of the pitfalls of debate is that a person starts to praise his own self. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَا تُزَكُّوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Do not claim that you are uh, pure. Do not claim that... How would you translate that, Sayyidi? Do not uh, attribute goodness and purity to your own self. فَلَا تُزَكُّوا أَنفُسَكُمْ So then, when you're debating, you have to say, Oh, no, no, actually, I'm more well-read on the subject. I'm an expert on this, actually. Um, and... There's nobody who's written more, and I don't think there's anyone who's researched this more, so I think my opinion matters, and I think you should listen to me. La ilaha illallah. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Look at what uh, Sayyid Tarif was telling us about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That his knowledge, that the, the Siddiqeen, the highest of the awliya, the ends of the highest of the awliya, is the beginnings of the anbiya. And the highest degrees of the NBA was the beginnings of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only knows his ends. And Allah told him, وَقُرْ رَبِّي زِدْنِي عِلْمَ And say, my Lord, increase me in ilm, real knowledge. Always to seek more. So, praising oneself. A wise man was once asked, what is a vile truth? What is a vile truth? He said, a person praising his own self. Even if it's true, it's, see, it's not nice. Doesn't seem, doesn't come off good. Hmm? So then a person has to prove their worth and prove their, uh, uh, you know, that they're qualified and so forth. And that's a danger. That's a very serious pitfall of the nafs that comes with debating. Now, another of the pitfalls of debate is that a person starts to spy on others and look for their flaws. Oh, people think that this person is good? I'm going to show them they're not good. La ilaha illallah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever seeks out the flaws of other Muslims, Allah will expose that person even if they're in the privacy of their own home. It'll come out. And we, sitrullah jameel. Allah's covering our flaws is a gift and it's beautiful from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah loves things to be sitr. Allah loves for things to be covered and people not to expose others. 
But this is what happens. The nafs starts to get involved. No, but I'm on the haq. That person is ala batil. And I'm going to show that their batil leads to the fact that they don't even have taqwa. If you knew what they did in private. Uh, if I just show people, then... The, no, what you're going to do is you're going to destroy this person's life and destroy a whole group of people along with him. What's the benefit in that? Seeking that out and wanting them to fall and wanting them to... Uh, uh, you know, be proven that they're that you're better than them. And that this is related to the next point. Another one of the pitfalls is that the person becomes happy at other people's the other person that he's debating with, with bad things happening to them. I mean, when we talk about these things, they're disgusting. I was like, oh, no, 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 that's not me. This is what happens when you go down that path. That's what Imam al-Ghazali said at the beginning. If someone billah, drinks alcohol, don't be surprised at what they're going to do next. You want to get involved in debate? Don't be surprised what comes next. Imam al-Ghazali is telling you, these are the pitfalls. These are the traps along the way. You want to take this road? You're going to fall into these things. There's another road. It's much safer, more beautiful, more beneficial. It's better for the ummah. It's better for you. You can take that road. But these are the pitfalls. Now, and Imam al-Ghazali says, وَمَنْ لَا يُحِبُّ لِأَخِيهِ الْمُسْلِمَ يُحِبُّ لِنَفْسِهِ فَهُوَ بَعِيدٌ مِنْ أَخْلَاقِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Whoever doesn't love for other Muslims, what he loves for his own self, is distant from the character traits of the mu'mineen. This is the total opposite of someone else didn't do well, someone else, يعني, whatever it may be, yeah, that's what they get. Where did this come from if you weren't involved in debate and you didn't feel like you were competing with them? And everyone who seeks to, to have a status with other people and to be ahead, they're going to want bad things to happen to their peers. They're going to want to surpass them. One of the great imams, one of the great imams who surpassed everyone in his time. They asked him, they said, how did you, how did you excel beyond your peers who were great imams in their own right? But how did you become so distinct? He said, I wanted all of them to surpass me. I wanted my brothers and my peers and others to exceed me and to excel. So Allah put me ahead. You're not going to get the keys except by adab. You have to have adab. If you try, if you look at the story of Surah Yusuf salam, you try to, they wanted their father to love them. So they wanted to get rid of Yusuf salam. But when they got rid of Yusuf salam, all Sayyidina Ya'qub talked about was Sayyidina Yusuf. They said, ah, it didn't even work. But if they had adab with Allah's istifa of Sayyidina Yusuf and their father loving him for the traits that are beloved to Allah in him, they would have become more beloved to their own father. And that happens at the end of the surah that you see. So you have to have adab. You have adab, you get everything. You're not going to get it. You're not going to yani, steal from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> the fadl. You can't do that. Naam. And Imam al-Ghazali says between people of knowledge, that knowledge is like a family and you have to have Good kinship ties. العلم بين أهل العقل والفضل رحم متصل. 
that knowledge between people of intellect and virtue is like a family relationship that they, that they maintain. They don't cut people off. So they're not happy when bad things happen to others. Imam al-Ghazali says another one is hypocrisy. The person that you debate with, the person that you got into an argument with online, the person that you stayed up on, let me respond to them and get, you know, you know, how it, this is the nufus. You see them, salam alaikum, oh, I missed you. I didn't miss you. That's nifaq. You're actually trying to act one way with the person, but internally because of this, the, 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 the nature of this debate and what it does to you, a person then is hiding feelings that are in complete opposition to what they're showing that person. Don't be fake in that way. And the best thing to do is actually to try to reconcile. You know that conversation we had? It really wasn't beneficial. I love you for the sake of Allah. I kind of got upset. I said some things I shouldn't have said and try to reconcile. But don't be fake with that person. Oh, mashallah. Then hold things against them. Oh, they said, you know what I saw today? Oh, and all of that. Be very careful of that. Not to be a hypocrite. And then another one of the adab, and we're almost towards the end, is al-istikbaru al-haq. Is that a person becomes too proud to accept the truth. And this goes back to what Imam al-Ghazali said of the etiquettes, that you need to see your seeking the truth as uh, someone, the other person, helping you find your own lost property. Naam. And Imam al-Ghazali says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, مَنْ تَرَكَ الْمِرَاءَ وَهُوَ مُبْطِلٌ بَنَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بَيْتًا فِي رَبَضِ الْجَنَّةِ Whoever uh, uh, refrains from argumentation, and he's wrong. You know, I, I, probably, I might be wrong, and I'm, I'm just going to stop. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will build for that person on the, the outskirts of paradise. He will build a house for them. وَمَنْ تَرَكَ الْمِرَاءَ وَهُوَ مُحِقٌ and whoever leaves argumentation, he's on the truth. Allah will build a house for him in the highest parts of paradise. Even greater degree. Why? Are we really going to arrive to knowledge and truth this way? The Prophet ﷺ didn't recommend that. Naam. And those who, uh, uh, those who do not accept the truth when it comes their way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَمَنْ أَظْلَمُوا مِمَّنْ كَذَبَ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَكَذَّبَ بِالصِّدْقِ إِذْ جَاءَهِ Who is more wrong, who is more oppressive than the one who uh, fabricates lies about Allah and does not believe in the truth when it comes to him? That's danger. And if a person is really in invested in this debate, how are they going to see the, the truth when it comes their way? I can't accept it from this person. If anyone else was right, I would follow them. And that's, you see the kuffar of, of, uh, in the time of the Prophet said, and many of them, that was their hijab. I can't admit that Banu Hashim has a prophet. I can't admit that their tribe has a prophet and our tribe doesn't have a prophet. La ilaha illallah. And then last, lastly, and we'll, we'll end with this, is ostentation and really working to have people uh, uh, focus on you and that's very very uh, clear and Imam al-Ghazali is going to dedicate an entire book to ostentation and 
And know, Imam al-Ghazali says, Nas'alullah al-'afiyah wa-salama, Ya Rabb Allahumma ya man wafaq ahl al-khayr lil-khayr wa-a'anahum alayh, wafiqna lil-khayr wa-a'inna alayh. He says that these uh, blameworthy qualities are also present. They are necessarily present for the person who is also working on reminding others and admonishing them. إِذَا كَانَ قَصْدُهُ طَلَبَ الْقَبُولِ وَإِقَامَةِ الْجَاهِ وَنَيْلَ الثَّرْوَةِ وَالْعِزَّةِ If he is seeking acceptance and status and a, a place with people. نعم. So Imam al-Ghazali is saying all of these pitfalls, even when you're calling people to Allah and reminding people, you have to be very careful of them and you have to sincerely do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be careful of all of that. نعم. So these are uh, some of the etiquettes of debate and some of the pitfalls. So the conclusion is avoid it altogether. Only those who are firmly rooted in knowledge can establish those etiquettes and a person uh, uh, who actually cares about their deen should avoid it altogether because of the uh, large number of the pitfalls and the danger of the pitfalls. And Imam al-Ghazali says, for each of the pitfalls that I've mentioned, it branches out into 10 other dangers. So everything I've mentioned is just a summary. There's 10 more bad things that come after it. So we pray for people. We try to give sincere counsel. We accept the truth from whoever it comes from. We're humble with believers. We want good for everyone. We should be happy when someone corrects us, and it's not easy. But alhamdulillah, this is beneficial knowledge. This is what we need to hear. Wassallallahu taala ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabi ajma'in. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.